Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's show. And we're really excited today about our guest today. He is a UK-based keyboardist, producer, and composer, as well as a part-time DJ, I just found out. Uh, he released his first album, Factor Fiction, in 2000, and since then, he's really to continue to establish himself as one of the, the top contemporary jazz artists. He's had several songs reach the Billboard Top 10. He's had multiple number one hits, um, and he's played many of the big smooth jazz events and has worked with a who's who of smooth jazz talent and is a regular on smooth jazz radio. Please welcome to today's show, Mr. Ali Silk. Ali, thank you for being on. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thank you for the great introduction, Carl. I really appreciate that, Absolutely. Man. Well, it's much deserved, man. You know, I've been missed listening to your music for a while and have always enjoyed your music. So, you know, so tell us really kind of how you got your start playing music. Well, you know what? I, I started playing music when I was about 11 years old. I started uh, just messing around um, on a piano that we had mm-hmm. and... Uh, actually caught the attention of a family friend who said who was a, a, a piano player himself and he said to my parents um you know you should maybe look into some lessons uh for ollie because hmm. he seems to seems to have a natural talent for for like you know picking tunes out by ear and playing them and stuff so okay so yeah, I, I got sent off to a local teacher um when i was 12 and, and they were cool they were cool years they, they've kind of formed my my, my musical education on the keyboard. Um, and I did lots of shows. I, it wasn't kind of like a formal training. Okay. Uh, it wasn't classical, but it was, uh, it was more like theater and, uh, show stuff and pop, pop playing and things like that. So yeah, cool. So yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time on stage as a teenager, which was nice. It kind of, you know, it got me used to that idea yeah, of, yeah. Being in front of an audience, you know, uh, and and then when I was around seventeen, eighteen, um, I got kind of a bit more serious into it. I got I got some uh, I got some studio gear that I'd saved up for by working, and, okay. and got my first Apple computer when I was like eighteen, which cost cre- I don't know back then it was like, <laughs> like, like six thousand dollars. Different something. ball game, yeah. Oh, man, they were crazy. So I managed to get one of them, and I, and I started recording music, and that's that's when I started to be involved in the in the smooth jazz world. Good, 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 good. Of, of all the different genres of music, what was it about the smooth jazz music that that you gravitated towards? Well, I think my my musical tastes and education were just cut from my family just loving that music. From okay. uh, you know, and I had I have an elder brother who's like ten, nearly ten years older than me. So uh-huh. in, in the early eighties, when I was very young, he was already he, he was a big record collector, big vinyl okay. collector. So he had all the imports, all the, you know, gosh, everything, Ronnie Laws and pieces yeah. of, you know, all the, all the Crusaders and George Duke stuff. So like that was my, that, you know, it, it just seems so natural to me. It's the music yeah. that I loved when I was young. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So like, how would you describe, I think, you know, I listen to music, musicians and I sometimes have, can describe their music for myself. Right. But. How do you describe your music and your sound? Um, I'd say kind of melodic and soulful. Okay. Uh, but 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 yet yet funky. You know, I always yeah. like uh, I, there's some pretty funky stuff in there. Yeah, you know, there I'm is. A, I'm a big fan of the funk and I don't you know, I'm not 
I mean, there's a place for all types of smooth jazz music. Don't get me wrong, but I think for me, like, I like the mellow stuff, but it always has to have that little edge to it. You know, yeah. that's edge to it because that's what I grew up listening to. You know, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think I you know I like to when I when I play, I feel like I'm like it's like lyrical to me. You know, it's like mm-hmm. uh, it's like I'm a, I'm singing. It's it's like I'm a soul singer. Okay, playing a, you know that that's how I've always felt it. So you know, every note is kind of Im- important for me. You know, it's, it's not necessarily like how quick I can play or how many notes I can play. Uh-huh. It becomes more of a soulful experience for me. So, and you know, that's why it hit, you know, man, you, like that when you, when you listen to, when you listen to George Duke or you listen yeah. to Joe, Campbell, that's what you hear in their music. You hear soul. Don't you, you do. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah. And I, you know, growing up in the UK and that's where we're talking to you from today. There was a lot of, you know, soul music was, was fairly influential. It was, you know, and especially, you know, post Motown, um, 75 to 85, like there was this massive, huge jazz funk movement in, in mm-hmm. the UK, Europe. And, you know, obviously it was there in the States too. There was something really, there was this cult kind of movement going on. Obviously I was like too young to get involved in it, but uh-huh. looking back on it now, it really it shaped our culture for a while right up into the eighties. All the pop music was in, was kind of influenced and, and cut and pasted with this soul, soul jazz funk thing, you know? Yeah. So hi man, it was massive. That's cool. That's cool. And you mentioned, uh, enjoying the funk and always infusing a little funk into your music. Who are, who are some of those funk bands that you really got into back in the day? Well, my bit, my biggest funk influence is the brothers Johnson. man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get the funk out of my face and uh-huh. uh, ride on time and that stuff. You know, before Quincy Jones, you know, during, during Quincy Jones obviously was huge as well, but like the raw stuff before Quincy Jones was great too. Uh, so they were they were a big influence, funk okay. wise. Obviously, Sly and yeah, um, man, who else? Yeah, and and and, uh, and George Clinton and oh, you know, yeah. the, the classic funkers. But I know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I just lick all that stuff. It was, you know, that time of music was so important because it was so expressive. I, yeah. I, I you're going to agree with me. Like, I love the way that they they pushed the envelope with fashion and music. Yes, and yes. Psychedelic kind of groove. It was like yeah. there was no, there was no, um, there was no holes barred. Really, it yeah. was just yeah. It was expressive. I tell you about that era. I remember looking forward to when you hear about somebody's coming out with a new album. Of course, you look forward to the music. But I also really looked forward to the album cover art because (laughs) in that era, the album cover art was something special, you know? Was it ever? It was huge. Yeah. I mean, going back to the Brothers Johnson, I mean, that uh, Ride Ride on Time album. Yeah. It's just just the two of them there. They're in like bright yellow jumpsuits with flares. Mm -hmm. Their legs are real big on the the front. And (laughs) And I was like, man, it's so spacey. It's so cool, you know? But it's also like so happy, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, yeah. Just like there was no pretentiousness about it. It was just so happy. Yeah, it was. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, I mean, you're a pretty prolific, you know, in terms of, you know, performing with people, producing people. You know, you've you've worked with lots of different names in the genre, and you know, who are who are some of those people that you have had the pleasure of working with, and who are some of those people that maybe you haven't worked with worked with yet that you might be really wanting to work with. Oh, wow. Uh, good question. Um, I've, yeah, I've worked, I've worked with some fantastic people and you know, they, yeah. lots of these guys have shaped my musical education. 
um, and, and and it's just it's been, it's kind of been mind blowing to grow up with some of these cats and mm-hmm. and, and and they've been you know I, I've bought their albums when I was a teenager and then. 10, 10, 15 years later, 20 years later, I'm playing on stage with them. And it's like, yeah. I have to pinch myself a few times. I think pinching myself, playing with like someone like Chuck Globe, you know, uh-huh. a, a legend in his, in his art. Um, and, but also people like Dave Cos, Warren Hill, Peter White, um, yeah. Rick Braun, um, and Kelly Minucci. Just, you know, so many like wonderful artists who were so huge. Uh, Boney James is another one, of course. Yeah. So huge so huge in the 90s um when i was growing up listen, you know listening to this music and like they to to play with them like and just to hang with them is just so cool yeah like, I bet. Know, yeah and just to become buddies with them and and them to respect what i can bring to their music as well is yeah. you know, such a trip it's it's probably you know the biggest the, the biggest and best part of what i do i'd say that's fantastic that's fantastic well let's take a listen to to one of your first big hits. This is At Your Service featuring Julian Vaughn by today's guest, Ollie Silk.
everybody. That was Ali Silk with At Your Service. So how does being a composer, producer, and performer impact your process for making music, Ali? Um, it's, it's a juggling act, that's for sure. It's mm-hmm. sometimes like spinning plates, you know? Yeah, uh, huh. You kind of, you, you kind of and, and, and a lot of musicians would say this, that have got more than one string to their bow. I think if, you are, if you're deep buried into production, then you're spinning the production plate. Mm-hmm. And then if you go off and do a gig, then that plate slows down a little bit gotcha. and then you come back to it and, and re-energize it, you know, on time frames. But, you know, I think the, the more hats you wear, you know, you, you, you really do have to tend to them um, as much as possible. So I try and do that. You know, if I like, obviously the last two years I've had very few sh- live shows. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, right. Very, less than I've had since I started out. So, you know, I've been concentrating on studio work and production. So when it, has come back to now like playing more keyboards i have to get my chops back you know they definitely get rusty you yeah, know, yeah 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 sure. so many hours in the day so you yeah. know between you know keeping the kids happy and keeping the wife happy and and keeping and keeping and, my and my those intact. things are important <laughs> yeah no, absolutely they are very important so you know it's just it's just a good trying to find a good balance and i i think most musicians, that's that's the toughest part of the gig, you know, is just finding a balance yeah. um, and, and not burning out, you know. Absolutely. You just mentioned that, you know, it's been obviously with COVID, not able to perform a whole lot. What what are you missing the most about that that aspect of what you do, that being on stage aspect? I think it's, I get obviously the music, um, mm. obviously the spontaneous vibe of, of, of creating music just on the spot yeah i think the bit even bigger than that the, the thing that i took for granted which i've missed so much is just the camaraderie between musicians and uh yeah just the vibe before during and after the show you know hanging music hanging with musicians you know i just i realized that as i've got older you know you you know you have those friends in friends in school and college and stuff that you hang with that maybe aren't to do with your profession mm-hmm. but then as you older mainly your friend base is based in the in the profession that you do you know the career that you have because you have so much in common so right you know losing that a little bit in the last two years has been tough you know not not uh having that close connection with a lot of the musicians that i've, I've come to know and love you know um, yeah i can imagine I'm looking forward to getting that back man looking forward to getting that. yeah and you know one thing i noticed about the the smooth jazz um world is that the artists in this genre there does seem to be a real significant camaraderie you know and like there's this real genuine closeness between the artists right and real genuine friendships it seems 100 percent. yeah i don't i don't i mean i've been involved in some other industries within the music business you know i've done some pop stuff i've done some mm-hmm. hip-hop stuff some dance edm kind of house stuff but I would say definitely, I've never never known anything quite like 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 this business. Maybe because it's kind of grassroots and it's always been quite small mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and quite um, quite niche, you know. So yeah. I think I think yeah, just you're right. Like the the artists are always always cool with each other. You know, yeah. they always they help each other out and they're always willing to hang with each other. And you know, there's no there's 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 a little, but there's very little kind of, of that bitchiness mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the diva thing, you yeah, know, men yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't see that. Much. So that's really cool. It's nice. It's refreshing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt. 
So we're, we're so in a normal year, how much were you traveling pre-COVID? Um, probably around, probably around, you know, at least there'd be some sort of trip once a month. So maybe like 10 to 12 times a year. Okay. So there would be something, whether it was the USA, I think, you know, maybe would be the most I would do would maybe be four trips over, possibly five. Okay. In 2018, I did five for maybe two or three weeks at a time. You okay. know, I try, I try and push as many shows in together as I could to make it worthwhile with coming yep. over yep. and leaving family and stuff. Um, and I try and do three or four weekends on the trot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course, yeah, I've been lucky enough to travel all around the world, you know, and, 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 and Europe and Africa and yeah. Asia, Australia. So yeah, that, you, I, I miss it very much. Yeah. Now you and you enjoy the travel aspect. I take it. Oh, I love it. I, do you yeah. know what? It's, it's one of those things. I, I don't think I enjoyed it at first. I think okay. it's very, it's very daunting. Um, and it ta- it takes, it takes some courage to travel. It, it takes. Yeah, it does. Their own car rental, their own hotels. You know, I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to that. So, you know, to get all that right, to really nail that, it takes, it does take some, some, uh, some kind of, um, yeah, some bravery. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as the years have gone on, I've got more and more used to it. And I do. I love it. Absolutely Good. love it. When you're out on the road, do you make time to enjoy these different cities and countries that you're visiting? Or is it is a lot of it, you know, I'm on to the gig and then I'm on to the next thing? Yeah. If, if I can. Yeah. The, the, the short answer is if I can. You know, yeah. I, yeah. A lot of the shows, you're kind of dictated by, you know, there's, rehe- there's a rehearsal this day, there's a show this night, and then the next day there's another rehearsal. Sure. So if, if I'm doing like a house band thing or a musical director thing for a festival, yeah. you know, that's boom, boom, boom. You know, you work all day, you work all night, you have a, you have a beer. Yeah, you yeah, there, yeah. All over again, you know. So, but uh, yeah, sometimes I, I'll, you know, I'll deliberately, st- you know, maybe put in a, a day at the end or two days at the end of the itinerary to try and enjoy the local Good. lights, you know, whether that's food, drink, beach, whatever it may be. Yeah. Any favorites from your travels, favorite places or, or desk or, or, or things you've done that come to mind? I think, um, yeah, there's a few favorite places for me. Uh, I'll, I'll stay away from the States to begin with. Yeah. Uh, du- Dubai, Dubai in, okay. uh, in the East was an amazing experience. Uh, I'm, I was the musical director on the, the fe- the jazz fest the the annual jazz festival there for about three or four years in a oh, row. Oh, great! Um, and the, the workload was very very high. The pressure was very very high. But in those situations, you really come into your own. I think you know you kind uh-huh. of you use it or you lose it. And 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 that and that was that was an amazing experience to be in the Middle East for the first time. Yeah, and, I bet. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Uh, Africa, you know, Mozambique, Ghana. Places I never ever thought I would travel. Yeah, you know, look, never. I would never expect to see those places. You know, drive through all the, you know, the, the ghettos of South Africa. And yeah, I just really see what life is like in these places was was truly, you know, a, a mind blowing experience. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in the you know, so many amazing places in the USA. I mean, you know, I, I, I it's kind of crazy, but Las Vegas, man, is is my home. I I, okay. I love to. I love to play poker. So okay, that's, oh, okay, that's okay. My thing. Are you? Do you? Do you win in Vegas? Um, sometimes. <laughs> good, 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 good. All right. 
Yeah. But I, I love Las Vegas. I love the desert. I love heat. I love the hot weather. I love Phoenix and Arizona and Sedona and all around. Yeah. Those, okay. Those they're, they're very cool. And also like, you know, I've had, I've done some of the best shows uh, of my life. I think down in the South, you know, the, 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 okay. the folks there are some of the best crowds, you know, Atlanta and North Florida and Alabama, you know, I've never, I've never had a welcome like that. You know, that's cool. That's so cool. cool. Well, good, man. That's quite, it's good to hear that you enjoy that aspect of your job, man, because that's a, you know, I think a lot of people think travel is easy and travel is not always easy, you know, um, because it's, there's a lot that goes into it. And like you said, you kind of have to, you have to learn your way into that because it's not easy in the first part, but we're glad and that, you, that you make it your way around and your way to the States. And why don't we take a listen to a little bit more of your music? This is Ollie Silk with Music Without Sound.
that was today's guest, Ollie Silk, with Music Without Sound. So you are a pretty prolific artist, and, you know, you've got eight CDs of your own and countless others that you have produced or been a part of. So what is it that drives you? Drives me? I mean, I guess cliche would be just the love of the music drives mm-hmm. me. I guess that's right at the core of yeah. of all of it, really. Um, you know, that's not to say that, I mean, I would challenge any musician who says that they get out of bed every single day and they love music. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. There's days where you don't love music. You sure. know, it can be, it can be frustrating. It can be hard, you know, to find inspiration every day is hard. Um, but you know, if you, I, if I find myself on, on a, on a negative path with music, I have to bring myself back in. I have to, Go, man, go back to those old records, listen yeah. to music again, you know, and actually remind myself why I'm so, why I love the music so much, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't forget that, you know. Because um, sometimes, you know, I'd be in the studio for eight hours working on a track and listening to the same parts over and over again. And then if I get in the house, I, I don't want to put music on. I mean, a lot of people go, oh, yeah, I love to relax mm-hmm. and listen to music. I'm like, no, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I, want, I want peace and quiet and silence, you know. So, that can that can break you down sometimes, um, and you have to bring yourself back and listen to good music, listen to the old classics, and uh-huh. just think to yourself, okay, this is this is what this is where I want to be. I remember now, you know? yeah. And you know, I, I think it's good for us to understand too, as fans and as um, you know, as listeners to our show, like you know that you know, like music is your it's your craft, right? And so you spend so much time with it. Where us, that's that's our that's our disconnect. That's your whole being. Yeah. So you know, it's like you know, I come from home for work, and that's the first thing I want to do is like I really just want to turn on some music and and chill, right? And you're yeah. you you get done with work, and you're like, yeah, I just need some quiet, I need some peace, some solace. So that's interesting, you know. It is, and I've always felt that, and like I don't know whether musicians talk about that that much. I think yeah. sometimes they're very much like, oh my god, yeah, you know, I I live and breathe music, and it's mm-hmm. like. Okay, yeah, I get it, but for me, it's that it's never been that experience. Um, yeah. I think it has to be a balance of other things in your life, um, and you have to know when to switch off the music um, and 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 just try and take a break from it because yeah. your ears handle so much. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, when a fan listens to your music, what do you want them to feel, or think, oh, or experience? I I I I want them to feel. Especially in my in my play, in my piano playing, I want them to feel like I said to you before. Like I want them to feel the soul of what of what each note is 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 trying to get across. Mm-hmm. You know, the feel of each note is so important to me um, because you know there's only so many keys on a keyboard. Right. Um, you know, you can't you can't really bend the notes like you can with a guitar, and there's less expression with a piano than there is with a guitar and with vocals too. I mean, you've got the full range of expression with vocals. You can you can put vibrato, you can bend up and down yes. to them. And you can't necessarily do that with a piano. So I just try and, and, and this is what I hear with, you know, with Colbertson does that. And, you know, I'm thinking of contemporary guys. Colbertson does that and Jonathan Fritzen can do that nicely. And there's, there's, there's plenty of other great players that really, you know, eke out as much soul in the keys as they can. So mm-hmm. I, 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 that, that would be what, what I would like my, my fans to to really reach for is that is that soulfulness in every note good 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 that that's awesome and, and your music does do that your music definitely does that i mean that's you know good music does make you feel and your music definitely you know i know for me when i listen to your music i definitely feel that i feel i mm-hmm. it, it, it touches you right and that's a really cool thing 
and that that's right because you know you can be, you can have the most technically advanced music in the world and it's got no soul and I, yeah, you know I yeah all the time and listen you know I'm not bashing anybody because some people love that music yeah yeah love that time and obviously you can get different you know different um you know, uh, it can be on a scale of you know of of pure soul to pure technic- te- technical wizardry. Somewhere in the middle is great, and you know, you, what I'm saying is that you you can easily sacrifice one for the other. Yeah, and, and yeah. To care, to care for. You know, it's interesting you say that. It's, I have a 16 year old daughter who wants to be a singer, and right now she's really good technically, right? Yeah, but yeah. the other day I had the conversation with her. That very conversation that we were just having that. You know, being good technically is okay, but the best, you feel them, and they put their heart and soul in it, and you they, they sing from from who they are and their experiences, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And that, do you know what? It's actually a re- it's. I think it's one of the hardest things for people to get it to, well, for musicians to learn. Yeah. I've, I'm not even sure yet, in, in all my years of playing, I'm not even fully sure you can learn that. I just think that there's something there that is inside of you that makes you want to express yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No matter how you learn, you could be the most virtuosic player in the world, but I've heard, and I've heard hundreds of them, but they don't touch me. They might impress me, but they don't touch me. Yeah. 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 No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, Ali, we have this fun segment that we do on every show. It's called Bout It or Doubt It. If you're mm-hmm. about it, it's something that you like. And if you doubt it, it's something that you just aren't feeling. So can we twist your arm into playing with us? So about it or doubt it, right? Yes, sir. You got it. Okay. All right. It. I started yeah, this body body. If you about it, get them up. I mean, you body body. I mean, you body body. We say you body body. I represent. I doubt it. So we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category, but, uh, and then we'll go from there. Okay. That's all i got to say, about it or doubt it. Yeah, that's right. You can just say whether you're about it or doubt it, all right? So okay. your category today, Ali, is sports, okay? And okay. since you're in the UK, I'm going to start you out with one that's probably a little more familiar, cricket. Are you a cricket fan, about it or doubt it? I am about it. Yeah, all okay, right. okay. I'm about it. Maybe not so much as I used to be when I was a bit younger, but yeah, I went, I found, I, I go and see it once a year at uh-huh. my local stadium. It's great. Yeah. What do you what 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 do you enjoy about it? I enjoy the the pace of it is very slow. Okay. Um, you know that can work to its advantage and its disadvantage, but it's a great day out because you get there at ten a.m. and you don't leave till seven p.m. and everyone has a good drink and a good bit of food and. You know, and you just enjoy, yeah, you just enjoy the atmosphere. Did you say you get there at 10 a.m. and you don't leave till 7 p.m.? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes that long? Oh, yeah. I oh, never yeah. knew that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they, they, they start early and, fi- you know, they finish when, the, when you know, when they, they get bad light and they'll go off. But e- even now, they, they carry on under floodlights. So That's yeah, no. amazing. I never knew that, that it took that long. Wow. It's a lot. I mean, there's different formats. Yeah. There's very there's quick formats that maybe over in about, about two or three hours, maybe four hours, a bit like baseball, I guess that kind of length, four hours yeah. or something. Um, but yeah, the the there's some long cricket going on. Okay, there. no kidding. Wow, see, I learned something today. I didn't know that. All right, one more about it or doubt it. How about American football? Oh uh, well, I wish I was about it, but yeah. I don't know. So I I'm I'm I doubt it. I'm okay, afraid. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> You know what? It's one of those things. If you don't get taught it when you're young, 
it's a it's a very complex game. Yeah, to, to, yeah. I can um, understand that, and I know I know there's a lot more. You know, it's being played a lot more in other parts of the world. But you're right. If it if you're not taught young, you know, then it can be a fairly complex game. All the rules and yeah, there's a lot of tech, technical aspects to the game. And I, man, you know what? I've sat there with my one of my old uh, musician buddies, Jared, a sax player, and I sat there in a bar in DC about 12 years ago. Uh-huh. He sat. I, he must have sat with me for two hours, and he went through everything. And I thought I knew it. And then within three months, I think we went back together. We were back together again. And I said, dude, I just forgotten everything. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right, man. That's all right. Well, see, now I, I could teach you about American football and you could teach me about crickets because okay. so we, we can help each other along the way there. So that's good. All right. So, Ali, if you weren't if you weren't playing music, what do you think you'd be doing for a living? Oh, that's a that's that's a tough question. Uh-huh. I, I think it's. You know, I've d- I've dabbled in lots of random things. As I said, I guess DJing, if you wouldn't count that as music, uh, I used to used to be a, a DJ on the side. So that's something I've always enjoyed. Okay, I've always enjoyed. What else have I enjoyed? I've enjoyed playing cards. I've enjoyed like uh, stock trading stuff. Oh like wow! That. Okay, maybe I'd be into that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's very computer analytical. So I go through periods of enjoying that, and then you know what I find that that doesn't work so well when you're trying to create stuff because creativity yeah. and, you know, analytics are very different things. You know, they're like the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. But it's pretty cool though, that you, that you work both sides of your brain like that, because you're right. Those are two very different things. And you know, so oh, they are. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, I went through a period of playing a lot of poker and poker is a very analytical game. And I got very much into it, maybe about 10, actually about 15 years ago. And and I can't. My music actually fell to the side a little bit. Okay. And I was I was finding it really difficult to to, to start songs and create and write huh. music. But the analytical side of my brain was just like so switched on. Yeah. Um, but I had to I had to put it aside to to make records. Just they don't work together very well. I can imagine. So okay. So I gotta I gotta go down that path with you a little bit. What's the most you ever won playing poker? What's the most you ever lost? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, if my wife, my wife's not listening. <laughs> um, let me think, you know, I won a tournament once. It wasn't in Vegas. Now, where was that? That was in, uh, that was in maybe AC. Okay. I, went, I, think I won a tournament there for about 7,000 bucks, which is okay. pretty good. It's not bad. That was a nice win. Um, I, you know, I don't play big stakes. Um, and, and I don't know, I've, I've had, a, I've had a couple of nights where I might've lost, you know, 1500 bucks and, okay. and then, you know, given up and been really angry and miserable. Yeah. yeah 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 well yeah i see i've never come close to any of that i'm not a good card player so i don't have the poker face you know so i don't i've never lost nearly that much i think i've only played a couple times and i think i've only lost a hundred bucks or so but that's that was for me enough to say okay this is enough i'm done i'm done now you know it it, it depends how risk averse you are i i guess yeah. i used risk averse than i am now but uh it's fun. I, I enjoy. I enjoy it because I just, you know, I enjoy going to those cities and hanging out. And just, you know, if I've got a buddy with me, if I'm touring, yeah. sometimes we'll, we'll come out with me and uh, and we'll hang out. You know, that's cool. That's cool. So, what are some things that you you would like to do that you have not yet had a chance to do in your personal life? Um. Wow. That's that's tough. You know, I mean, as far as as far as touring is concerned. 
I would I still haven't been to Japan. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's the one like that's the one big kind of market because they you know they they like their smooth jazz over they there. They do. Yeah, that's the one big market I for some reason have never got over there and and that's that's uh, something that's always been on my radar. Yeah. Every time I see if 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 Peter White's going over there I always try and give him a nudge and ask him if I can go with him yeah. so maybe, maybe he'll take me one day but uh yeah, that's something to- touring wise I'd love to do. Um, I'd love to do an album live. I'd like I'd like to do a live album. Oh, that's cool. been on radar for a while. You know, maybe not not necessarily even recording it at a venue, but just just actually cutting an album completely like live. Yeah. So, uh, no no overdubs. You know, no sitting in the studio editing stuff for ages. Yeah. So that that that's something I'd really like to do. But that you know that's that's a big leap of faith yeah. as well. When you're used to working with with editing and overdubbing yeah you, yeah. you can play the same thing 35 times until it's right you know yeah right where, right so whereas if you're in the studio and it's like three two one red light goes on it's it's time you know time to perform so yeah and you know that's you yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you know now that i think back about it it's funny we're our, our conversation coming full circle because we were talking about funk music earlier and yeah. back then, you ha- there were more live albums that would come out, but now it's pretty rare to see live albums come out. It is, you know, you're you're so right. It used to be, I mean, any any one of those kind of t- five to ten LP artists who were over a long period of time, at least two or three of them would be live LPs. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah, I don't know why that's gone, but I think it's great. I. I think people want that. I think people like that raw, that rawness. You know, absolutely, they, don't like, they do. They don't like everything to be so polished. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I agree with you. I, I, I know. I love that. I mean, and it's always different when you hear it live. It's never like you hear it all the time on on a, on a studio recording. So that's a great, great point that that I hadn't thought about in a long time. Well, we got a chance to play. We got a chance to play one more of your songs, Ali. Let's listen to "Out to Lunch" right now. Thank you. 
everybody. We just heard out to lunch by today's guest, Ali Silk. So, Ali, how do you know when a song is ready to be released to the world? How do I know? Oh, man. Well, you know, usually, usually I, I'm, I'm a guy who le- tends to leave it late. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'll, ha- well, I'll, I'll tend to have a lot of, a lot of half-finished songs. Okay. And then that. And actually, the real toughest part is actually finishing them. You might have all the nice ideas, but you need, you know, you're only two minutes into the song and you need, mm-hmm. a, you need another section, something like that, or, you know, an outro. Or, so that, that's the hardest part. And I think once that's, once that's overcome, yeah. I mean, yeah, some artists will do, they, they may be able to do 30 songs and then they may be able to sit there and pick 10 of them and go, right, there's my record. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. I am like, right, I've done 10 songs. They are the, they're the 10 songs. Okay, right? okay. Like, not, you know. <laughs> so, so that's, yeah, I, I tend to, you know, I get, I get to that point. Things tend to ramp up in speed uh, towards the end. So it, the pressure mount rise to it and like I try and get everything together. Um, and, and then once it's sent off for, a, for mastering, then yeah. I quite like that because then it's in someone else's hands. And it's it's too late then. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can't do any more tweaking. Then you can't change anything. It's set in stone, you know. And the the, de- the days leading up to sending it to the mastering engineer it are fraught because you're just you're listening in the car, you're listening in in the, in your house. You're I listening can imagine crazy little you know crazy little computer speaker in in the that you've pulled out of the attic, and you know just anything just to make sure that it's okay. You know. Yeah. And and then and then you send it off and it's like uh, you breathe a sigh of relief but you're just like okay now I can't toy with it anymore yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I you know that's cool because I I think that it's important for people to understand too that as artists you create from really a blank canvas right and you can't do that without pouring your soul and yourself into it right and so I can imagine being on pins and needles when you're like okay I'm letting this I'm letting this go off into the universe now. You know, but oh man, that's a whole lot of me in there. It's, it's like it's like your kid's first day at school. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's yeah. like I've tr- I, I've really only trusted a few people with this with this thing that I've been making for like two years, and now all of a sudden it's out into the ether. And yeah, I've I've got like radio promoters, and I've got radio stations, and I've got you know reviewers that are all going to sink their teeth into it, and they may not they may like it, they may not like it. You know, it's uh-huh. like. Oh my- I've got. To, I've now got to be really hardened, you know, to what they might tell me. Yeah, yeah. So I have a couple questions, Ali, that I like to ask all of our guests. Okay. So cool. one of them, the first one of those, is what are your three favorite albums? Oh man, <laughs> that rea- that's the reaction I usually get too. By the way, <laughs> just when you thought the questions couldn't get any harder, right? Okay. All right. Three off. Three off the top of my head are. Oh. For for sheer like game changing, yeah. I'd say uh, "Off the Wall" by Michael Jackson. Yeah, game changer, I'd say era era defining record, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'd say. Oh, let me think now. This is hard. What else do I love? Oh man, I mean, oh, oh uh, this is hard. Right? Okay, so we've done MJ. Yeah. Let's say. You know, again, from back then, I mean, Quincy Jones, The Dude. Yeah, that's a great one. Another game-changing album. Um, it's the first time we get to hear Patty Austin. Yeah. 
you know, the, the rhythm section on that record is just, I mean, it's the, it's the first time we really hear like Lewis Johnson on, on a on a huge record. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh man. Um, so yeah, the dude, MJ, let's put, um, pick something a bit more random, uh, from me, from growing up. What did I, growing up, met, um, George, a George Duke album. Let's pick a George Duke album. Illusions. There's an album called Illusions. Ah, okay. Ninety-five. I want to say that album is from. And you know, I was sixteen then, and that's the time when you are just like a sponge to music, you know, and everything has got so much meaning to it, and so so much richness. And yeah, this this album Illusions. And one particular song on the album is called 411 and it's with Phil Perry okay. and George Duke. And they just do this scat vocal thing. And I've never, I, I've never just never forgotten it. It made such a huge impression on me. So that whole album is just massive. And yeah, that's, there you go. That's fantastic. I was just having a conversation with someone about, um, about off the wall the other day. And they, they, their question they posed to me was off the wall or thriller. And I said, Oh, off the wall, hands down. Thriller is wonderful, but Off the Wall is game-changing, like you said. No doubt about it. It, it paved the way for Thriller. I don't, yeah. They, you know, no Off the Wall, no Thriller, I don't think. I agree. No. I agree completely. It, 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 set up, it set up the Quincy, you know, dream team. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and Rod Temperton and Greg yeah. Finger. Yeah. I mean, and just all the guys that were working with the Jacksons at the time. And it just, yeah, it cemented all that. And, uh, oh, man, it's just such a special record. It yeah. Really That's fantastic. So my other question then is, you're having a dinner party. You can invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to Ollie's dinner party, and what are you serving? <laughs> <laughs> what am I? Oh my gosh, so hard. <laughs> oh man, uh, what would I serve? Well, you know what I I I I live I live a low carb existence, so okay. I don't eat. I, I live on a ketogenic diet, and I have done for like two years with my wife. So I'd have to serve up. What's, what's my favorite, uh, my favorite, you know what? Good old fashioned, a good old fashioned sirloin steak. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, medium rare, you know, maybe even chuck a couple of fried eggs on top, you know, there you go. Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of, kind of off, 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 off the beaten track there. But, um, oh, that's probably what I'd serve. Who would I serve it to man living or living or deceased Prince. Yeah. Would be one. Um, Oh man, let me think about this. You know, we're just talking about Michael Jackson and Thriller uh-huh. and everything. Uh, Rod Temperton, you yes. know, he, I, I got to hang out with him a few times before he passed away. Oh, you did? Wow. A friend of mine, Mark James, who's the guitarist for Simply Red. Uh, he has oh, a great yeah. album. I'll, I'll send you his album. It's really Please great. Please do. Um, he's a yeah, guitarist for Simply Red. And he, he was working with Rod up until when he died. Uh, they were working on uh, a couple of albums. One, they're working on a couple of tracks for George Benson, which never saw the light of day. Okay. Um, and they were working with Rod and I got to hang out with him a couple of times. And man, he was a, he loved telling stories and did he have some stories? Wow. <laughs> uh, so he, he's another one who I'd have. And then thirdly, let me think, who would I like? Oh, put me on the spot. <laughs> who, who would be my guy? Who would be a, f- man, let me, let me pick someone fun, someone funny. So who makes me laugh? You know, you know the sax player Steve Cole. He makes yeah, me laugh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's get Steve in there. There I know you he's go. A, so let's get him in there. I was just thinking of someone, someone contemporary who who I like to hang with. So yeah, good. Yeah, Sounds like that'd be a fun dinner party, though. Sounds like yeah. that'd be a fun party. Let's they all meet eaters. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's good. That's good. So, what does the rest of 2022 hold for you, Ali? Well, hope. 
with my fingers crossed, with all my heart, I hope more shows. Yeah, um, yeah. It seems like we're we're on the right path already. We're a month in, and you know I've already had some bookings, and I'm already Good. figuring figuring out some tours for later in the year. So, you know, I, I I'm looking to come over in July and do a few dates on, on on the East Coast. I've got a thing in uh, Richmond, Virginia, Tim Pan uh, down there in Richmond, and a couple other things, uh, Atlanta um, too. And then I'll be back in October. I've also got oh, the Dave cruise, which I do every year, which is going to be cruising around the UK and uh, awesome. Europe. Um, so that'll be nice. That's in May and June. That'll be really cool. Um, there's talk of a holiday, a Christmas holiday tour for the end of the year up the East Coast. Of the oh, UK. cool. So that'll be really nice. And that's with Gina. You know, Gina. Yeah, I do talk? indeed. Yes, indeed. Great yeah, person. Well, yeah, she's great. And I'm going to be working a lot with Gina. She's kind of my new official agent. So awesome. Uh, She's a really good person, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to coming over to the states. Uh, I I popped over in December to to Florida for a week um, to hang out with Peter White and Vincent Ingala. Okay, um, and, and that was really nice. But I yeah, I want to get back on the road. Yeah, man. yeah. You were you played um, at um, Jazz on the Vine in at the Ostoff Resort not that long a few years back. Do you recall yeah, in in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's right. And I and I got a chance to see your show there because I'm in Milwaukee, and that's just You're up the up up the road from us about an hour or so. Nice, and nice. I, I got a chance it's to see you there. A lovely part of the world, man. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to explore it more, and I'd like to come to Milwaukee because I've heard, I've in fact a couple of a uh, couple of buddies actually lived there. Okay, because they were they were doing some business there. A couple of British guys they did some business there, and they lived there for about a year. Huh. Um, yeah, random. Yeah, I won't go into it. It's a long story. But yeah, they, they did some business there they, and it was very successful. And they, man, they love Milwaukee. And yeah, it, it good looks town. Very, looks very clean and fresh up there. I don't know if that's true. Is that, yeah, is that, it's not. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's it's a good town. It, I, I I love it. I, this is my hometown and I've lived around a lot of other places, been up, but I love it. So we'll have to get you. We'll have to get you in Milwaukee sometime soon here, man. Love to come up. Fantastic. Well, Ali, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to hang out with us today, to chop it up a little bit, to share a little bit about your music and everything, man. And I'm sure our listeners are going to love hearing, um, hearing, hearing your music and learning more about you, man. So we really appreciate you today, and we wish you all the best, man. Oh, that's so sweet of you to have me on, and, and I really enjoyed the questions, man. They were great. Straight, awesome. straight. Really enjoyed it. So th- awesome. thanks, guys. All the best to you, man. All, all the, the best, best to you too, man. Everybody be sure to get your tickets now for the 2023 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 25th through 26th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, featuring performances by Larry Carlton, Paul Brown, Rick Braun, Julian Vaughn, Lynn Roundtree, Lindsay Webster, Ali Silk, and Jeff Ryan. Tickets available now at freshcoastjazz.com. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.